to our Chapilla Church of Christ podcast. We welcome you today. And again, we are in the book of Revelation. We're in chapter two, and we're going to be giving the third message to one of the churches of Christ called Thyatira. Would you be so kind to pray with us? Lord, we thank you again and again and again for blessing us to be able to go to the book of Revelation and to gather to glean and to gain insights how the churches of Christ historically were at that time and how you want us to be in this time. Will you guide us and will you guard us and give us these necessary insights that we need so we can be better Christians, we can be better servants, we can be better as the people of God. It is in Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. And we are in Revelation chapter two, if you have your copy of God's word. And we're going to start at verse number 18. Come take a listen. We're using the older King James version, 1611, and perhaps the other one, 1769. John writes, Jesus says, and unto the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, these things says the son of God, who has his eyes like unto a flame of fire and his feet are like fine brass. Verse 19, I know your works and charity or love and service and faith and your patience and your works and the last to be more than the first. Verse 20, Notwithstanding, but however, I have a few things against you because you allowed that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Verse 21, and I gave her space to repent of her fornication spiritually speaking, and she repented not. Verse 22, behold, I will cast her into a bed and them that commit for a fornication and adultery with her and into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Verse 23, and I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to their works. Verse 24, but unto rest of you in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none of these burdens. Verse 25, but that which you have already hold fast until I come. Verse 26, and he that overcomes and keeps my works until the end, him 
will I give power over the nations. Verse 27, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers even as I received of my father and I will give him the morning star. Last verse 29, the person that has ears to hear, let them hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the seven churches. John is writing, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is speaking. This is the Thyatira Church of Christ. It is the third of the seven from Revelation chapter one and verse four. This particular congregation, to give some backdrop, it was approximately 40 miles from Pergamos, southeast in direction. The city may have been founded itself, that is Thyatira, by a gentleman named Alexander the Great in about 300 BC. It was a union city and the headquarters for trade, social locations, and guilds, such as tanners and potters, weavers, dyers, and robe makers. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 16 and verse 14, Lydia, when Paul had his first convert and first journey to Europe, he joins Lydia and the ladies and they establish, that is the apostle Paul, the particular congregation in Thyatira. We want you to know Lydia did not start the Church of Christ in Thyatira. The Apostle Paul set it up. How do we know that? How do we know that? Because the Bible says that in Acts 16 and starting at verse 4 and 5, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. It's just that Lydia and the group of ladies were having a prayer meeting, a prayer vigil, and they were worshiping and praising God. If you read that text in Acts 16 and the Apostle Paul, because men lead, because men are given the direction, because men were apostles and men were evangelists and men were pastors, Paul and his company joins Lydia and the ladies and they establish the Church of Christ in Thyatira. Not only that, but the Bible teaches here in Acts chapter 2 and at verse number 18, Jesus says he is the Son of God. He claims this here in Acts chapter 2. He claims it in Matthew chapter 16. He claims it here again in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 18, these things says the Son of God. And it's interesting that he says that in several places. He says it again in John chapter 11 and verse 4. He says it again in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 63. And he says it again in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 13. The reason Jesus says this repeatedly repetitiously calling himself in the title of the son of God because it really means he has the authority. He says once again, these things says the son of God, all capitalized. Notice what it says, who has his eyes like unto a flame of fire and his feet are like fine brass. Why does John write that? Why does Jesus say that? Because ladies and gentlemen, 
We want you to know that Jesus having eyes, as the text says, like unto flame of fire, translated from the Greek translation, it means he has x-ray vision. He can see not only what is on the surface, he can see what is beneath the surface. He can see the hidden things, those things that are secret, those things that nobody else can see. John also says that he says not only his eyes like a flame of fire, he says his feet are like fine brass. In other words, he cannot be moved. Brass was the most durable substance of John's day. He's saying Jesus is seen beneath the surface. Jesus is standing where nobody can move him. And he's ready, as he already has, given some instructions. But he's also giving some warnings, as well as correction to the Church of Christ at Thyatira. He says, first of all, I want to commend you. I want to commend you for your good works. I want to commend you that you go from the last to the first, that your love is great, your service of faithfulness, your faithfulness and patience. He says, if we go down to verse number 20, notwithstanding, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel which calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now, I thought, perhaps you thought, that Jezebel was from the Old Testament, and that is very correct. Jezebel, her presence, is historically in the Old Testament from 1 Kings chapter 16, particularly with emphasis on verse 31, and 2 Kings chapter 9 and verse 32, particularly with emphasis on verse number 22. And it was this woman, Jezebel, who in the book of Kings was a pagan murderess, that is the wife of King Ahab. In 1 Kings 16 and verse number 28, and 1 Kings 19 down to verse 21, and also 1 Kings 21 verses 1 to 29, and 2 Kings 9, 22 to 37, this woman was the worst of the worst of the worst women in the Bible. As a matter of fact, one of my friends was asking me or telling me, Melvin, had you ever known any parent to name their daughter Jezebel. <laughs> I don't think you know that that's ever happened. I don't think you would do that. But Jezebel is described. She demonstrates and she shows herself to be very wicked. What happens in Revelation is not that she's been resurrected. She has not been reincarnated, but she has been reinvented. The spirit of Jezebel existed in the Church of Christ of Thyatira, we hate to say, but it's the truth, ladies and gentlemen, that spirit of Jezebel exists in many of our so-called churches today. Notice what it says, the condemnation. It says that in verse number 20, that this woman Jezebel, the spirit of Jezebel, that reinvention of Jezebel, that 
called herself a prophetess. She was not a prophetess, but she called herself a prophetess. Now, what's going on in the biblical text in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20? I was doing a little extra research so we could share it with everyone. There are only three other cases in the New Testament. In Luke 2 and verse 36, there is a woman whose name Anna, she is referred to as a prophetess. In Acts 21 and verse 9, Philip the Evangelist had four daughters and they were prophetess. In 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 5, the Apostle Paul writes to the Church of Christ at Corinth and he says to them that there were women that were praying and prophesying. They were prophetess. But by the time we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 8 and 9 and 10, Paul says, love will never fail, but whether there be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there be tongues, they will stop. Whether there be supernatural knowledge that's given without going to the school, it will vanish away. He says, by the time we move to verse number 10, when will that happen? But when that which is perfect is come, the complete revelation of the scriptures based upon love, the complete revelation of the scriptures, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. The so-called prophesying. This woman Jezebel from the Old Testament being the real actual person dead for centuries, spirit being reinvented in the New Testament times in the book of Revelation. It is believed by some scholarship that she was the pastor's wife. Uh, it is believed in one of the writings, perhaps a couple, uh, some believe that this was the so-called putting the co-signing on what is happening today in some of many, some or many of the so-called religions where the pastors have their wives and their wives are front and their wives are claiming themselves to be pastors and prophetess. Well, the Bible says something about that. The Bible says by the time we get to 1 Corinthians, and I want to turn there and read it, chapter 14, and beginning at verse number 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And then he says in verse 34, For this reason, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also says the law. Verse 35, and if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, Paul writes, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, that doesn't mean saying amen and singing songs. But Paul clearly, three chapters forward from 1 Corinthians 11, Another book or two forward from the book of Acts states in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33, 34, and 35 that women not only do not lead in the church in any pastoring, they do not lead in any prophesying, they do not lead in any preaching, 
he, Paul says they ought to keep silent. Interesting word in the Greek speak. It is the word glossa combined with the word lalalia, speaking in tongues, they were prohibited. They were prohibited from this point, though they were prior to this, speaking and prophesying. Now let's get down to it a little bit more. I know what we said challenges some of your religious beliefs. Maybe some of you disagree with it and do not accept what we're saying here. But we challenge you this morning to go to the word of God, to search it. John 5, 39, it says, search the scriptures and you will find eternal life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21, it says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. If I can't prove it, if you can't prove it, we should not hold on to it. Scriptures prove scriptures and other scriptures, not what you and I feel, not what I believe, what you think, not what opinions are, what people say, what religions teach. The scriptures are the authority. Jesus gave them. The Bible teaches them. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Every scripture out of every single word, out of the 39 books in the Old Testament, out of the 27 in the New Testament, out of the 11,102 chapters, out of the 31,103 verses, out of the 637, 432 words, every single one of them are authoritative and must be respected. The word of God is profitable, beneficial, advantageous for teaching, for reproof to prove over again, for correction to tell someone where they got off path and for instruction in righteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, therefore we cannot use man-made creeds, doctrines of so-called religions, church teachings ahead of, in the place of, substituting the word of God. The word of God is the authority. Christ is the authority. The Bible says in the book of Colossians chapter one and verse 18, and he, Jesus Christ, is the head of the church. And he is the beginning and firstborn from the dead. That in all things, referencing the church and the entire universe in all things pertaining to the church, he must have and does have the superiority. The Pope does not have the superiority. Man-made teachings do not have the superiority. Jesus Christ has the superiority. It's interesting here in the book of Revelation that this woman, Jezebel, reinvented, perhaps being in the leadership brought in by the allowance of this so-called Church of Christ, which obviously departed from the faith, Supporting scripture, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, now some shall depart from the faith. It was allowed for her to be reinvented. It was allowed for her to call herself a prophetess. The church co-signed it. The church condoned it. The church enabled it. They decided that they were going to have a woman who would claim the fame being related to the leadership that because she had the prominence that she would 
call herself a prophetess. Now, we want to say something about that, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, that is not the way God appoints leadership. I can't be a pastor and neither can you unless God gives you an eye the ability. May I give you a scripture? In 1 Peter chapter 4 and beginning at verse 11, it says, if any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Interesting word from the Greek language. The word oracles means by the rules and regulations, by the policies and procedures, by the authority and the addressing that God gives, that God in all things might have the authority through him, through Jesus Christ, be forever and ever. Amen. Notice, if any man speaks, it must be rules and regulations of God. Notice, if any man ministers, let it be with the ability. God gives the ability because God has the authority through Jesus Christ. Now, to the text, interesting, as I was reading, it says here again is not only by her calling herself a prophetess wrong, but John says she is teaching or was teaching people to do things that were wrong. What was she teaching? She was teaching people in that congregation to worship false gods. She was teaching, therefore, as the Bible would place it and put it, it's called spiritual fornication. Notice what it says in verse number 18 and verse number 19 and verse number 20, particularly verse number 20. John says, Jesus speaks. He says, which calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication. There are two words. The word fornication here in verse 20, uh, the word fornia, uh, the word morkei, which means spiritual adultery slash fornication. It is spiritual. Notice what it says. And to eat things sacrificed unto idols. When we go back to the book of Exodus, chapter 34 and verse 15, I want to read that one too. Exodus chapter 34. And verse number 15, notice what the Bible says, starting at verse 14. Moses writes, for thou shalt worship no other God, small g-o-d, for the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. Verse 15, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a whoring after their gods, little G-O-D-S, and do sacrifice unto their gods, little G-O-D-S, and the one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a shame before God that this woman Jezebel reinvented thousands of years later pops up again in the last book in the Bible, chronologically, the book of Revelation, not for any apparent good reason, but for the worst reasons that the church could ever withstand. She's there to destroy. She's there to kill. She's there 
to make havoc of the church as Saul before his conversion. And the Bible says that Jesus being so kind in verse 21, I gave her this woman in this congregation reinvented having the character, the classification and the conduct of the Jezebel of the Old Testament. I gave that church and these people space to repent of this spiritual wickedness, this spiritual fornication, this spiritual adultery. Verse 22, John says, Jesus writes, Jesus writes, John says, behold, I will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery, told you, with her. Now, please understand, he's not talking about physical, the physical act of adultery, ladies and gentlemen. He's talking about spiritual adultery. Whenever anybody today, like then, connects himself to a false religion, a false God, an idol God, anything more than God, that's called spiritual adultery. He says, except they repent. Last but not least, John says, and I will kill her children. That would be the rest of the church following with death. That would be sending them to hell. And all the churches of Christ shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts. We told you that he could see everything. And I will give every one of you according to your works. Today, we want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that the Bible has the authority. This Bible, your Bible, my Bible has the authority. Though the church of Christ at Thyatira straight away, though they let the leadership be infected, affected by the weakness of a man who wanted his woman or wife for whatever reason to be part of the church in the wrong way. We submit to you today, women have functions. Women have a significant place in the Lord's church, but it's not to lead above men. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11 and 12, let the women learn in silence. The Bible says also that I do not allow the women to usurp authority over the men. In 1 Timothy 2 verse 11, 12 and 13, Paul says why? He says, for well, Adam was first born and then Eve. He says the woman was the seed and not the man. So God has authority in leadership. He has authority in headship. He has authority in the congregation, in the church. And this church fell away from his authority. Today, if you're not a Christian, we pray that if you even think you are a Christian, maybe you're in a congregation where some of this activity is going on. We're not trying to make you feel bad. We're not trying to bash you. We're not trying to pick on you. I'm just trying to tell you the truth, the way the Bible says it. I know a lot of people have these religious beliefs and they don't see anything wrong with it. Melvin, I don't see anything wrong with it. Well, you and I may not. It may be okay with us, but you know well, and so do I. It's not a matter that it's okay with you and I, ladies and gentlemen. It has to please God. Jesus said it like this in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know what that means. Do it the way I said do it. No other way. You believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. You're willing to repent of your sins. You're willing to acknowledge faith in him and have him as Lord over your life. We will baptize you today. 
We'll contact wherever you are if you call us on our phone number, area code 559-223-1973. If you email us at childchillingchurchofchrist at gmail.com. If you go on our website, childchillingchristian.com, we'll help you to get to the completing of what it takes to get you back to Christ if you left him like these people did. Or if you've never met him and you need to, like many of us do, or to get closer to him as many of us are. We thank you and we'll close out with prayer. Father, again, we thank you for this time in the book of Revelation. It is our prayer that we have been led by you to say something to get someone's attention, that they will get out of the beggarly elements of the world and come to the awesome love of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is in his wonderful, mighty, powerful, sweet name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.